Today's episode is brought to you by Olive, a next-generation logistics company serving premium fashion brands. Are your e-commerce logistics costs going through the roof? Olive is here to help. Olive offers brands and retailers over 50% off on return shipping expenses instantly while offering customers a sustainable, waste-free packaging and delivery experience. The solution is turnkey and no development work is required. You simply download their Shopify app to get started. To learn more, visit shopolive.com slash watsonweekly. Save money, save the planet. It's December 26, 2022. And this is the Watson Weekly, your essential e-commerce digest. Today on our show, VF Corp CEO departs unexpectedly. Procurement SaaS leader Coupa to be taken private by Tom of Bravo. Fast fashion giant Shein exploring online marketplace. Amazon settles lawsuit with the European Union. And finally, the Investor Minute, which contains eight items this week from the world of venture capital, acquisitions, and IPOs. But first in our shopping cart full of news, VF Corp CEO departs unexpectedly. Steve Rendell has stepped down from his role as CEO, chairman and president of VF Corp, effective immediately, the company said on last week. The company runs Vans, North Pace, Timberlands, and Dickies. In the middle of Q4, a retail CEO chairman has resigned. That's pretty sudden. Companies telegraph these types of things for months and have a successor lined up. The new CEO comes from an independent member of the board, which is usually not part of any serious company succession plan, except in in case of emergency break glass situation. So what are the options? Health? Serious malfeasance? Declining fundamentals? Behind-the-scenes investor reboot? This is kind of my vote. This is really unprecedented from what I can tell there. The new CEO is an independent director who spent their entire career in CPG. Clearly, they're just there to keep the seat warm and the wheels on the bus while they find the successor. My bet is that some serious financing or capitalization effort was in the cards and one investor made a demand that the current leadership had to go, and they accepted. We may never hear about this, or maybe we will. Our second story. Procurement software as a service leader, Coupa, to be taken private by private equity firm Tama Bravo. The stock market is no place for unprofitable growth stories right now, at least according to private equity. What's Coupa, you might ask? Well, it's a SaaS company that's actually fairly dominant in its sector. It's growing 30% plus year over year. Their stock is down 62% year to date, but a lot of stocks are down like that. The purchase price is actually a 77% premium over the current stock price, but they actually have a negative 38% net loss from operations per year. And they're being taken private by a private equity firm called Tama Bravo. So the price paid is actually similar to the price earlier this year. You might even say that Coupa is a leader in SaaS B2B e-commerce, i.e. procurement and procure-to-pay. Who else does this remind you of? Oh yeah, Avalero was just taken private by Vista Equity Partners earlier this year, not to mention Zendesk. Almost the identical situations. You know, big commerce has also been coasting in this market for several years now and is the most likely next shoe to drop here. Shopify, for its own part, just crossed into negative 25% operating loss territory last quarter, but that's actually in striking distance of being able to change. 
especially since Shopify just got a Wall Street veteran CFO a few moments ago. Now, if you've been public for some time and consistently south of negative 25% net operating loss and beaten down 50% plus this last year, and you're growing over 25%, then what private equity is telling us is that they think you're undervalued. But what also does that mean? It also means that private equity expects the stock market to continue to punish these companies in the next 12 months and actually could return them to the public markets in three to four years. How about private companies? What does this mean for them? Essentially, any unprofitable growing private company will likely not reach the public markets because their Series D plus rounds are being devalued. Any private company with greater than negative 15% net operating loss has some decisions to make to return to, quote, default alive. And I think high growth and above negative 15% will be rewarded handsomely. This does not mean the economy will be terrible in 2023. However, it does mean there are still existential risks out there, i.e. Ukraine and China, beyond the interest rate inflation TikTok, which dominates the daily discussion. If you're a venture-backed private company and want to think like private equity, then being able to survive more than 24 months of runway is actually the new benchmark. That is, if you want to control your own destiny and decide on your own when it is appropriate to raise capital or exit the business, all others may actually start heading for the exits. Our third story, fast fashion giant Shein exploring online marketplace. The Wall Street Journal has apparently been able to view an internal Shein memo, which indicates that the company is exploring building an online marketplace. This would mean a few things. Other merchants that sign up for the platform would be able to sell to its customers. Likely, the company would expand beyond its traditional fashion assortment. What's my take here? First, the fact that a company is considering launching a marketplace is not exactly a scoop given that Shein has already launched a resale marketplace for its own products. Second, a marketplace is a natural fit for a site with a ton of traffic which has one of the biggest fashion retailers of the world Shein definitely qualifies for. Why do sites with a lot of traffic become a fit for a marketplace? Mostly because of selection. Any high volume sites have a ton of zero searches, stockouts, and natural opportunities for upsell and bundling which are not taking advantage of. A marketplace allows a retailer to offer additional selection without carrying this inventory. Third, a marketplace can also be a huge benefit to retail buyers because it allows them to try before they buy for its first party business. I was trying to think of any downsides for this for Shein, and I think the main one is simple. If you think about the types of brands that may want to be associated with Shein, it's probably not the major brands. As a result, will Shein just end up looking like another Wish.com? Finding the right answer to this question seems like the key to this marketplace initiative if it ever sees the light of day. And our last story. Amazon settles lawsuit with the European Union. Last week, Amazon agreed to a settlement with the EU about the commission's investigations in 2019 and 2020 regarding these topics. One, preventing them from using internal information against competitors obtained in their role as operator, but used in their role as seller. And two, sellers will, in theory, be able to use Prime without Amazon Logistics, and Amazon must set non-discriminatory conditions and the criteria for the qualification of marketplace sellers and offers for Prime. Basically, Amazon has to publish their rules for Prime, at least to qualify for it, not necessarily the ranking. Amazon must also add a second buy box if the offers are unique enough in price or other characteristics. 
Amazon will also not be able to send third-party logistics data to its carrier business. My take? The first thing the cynic in me thought about was why can't Amazon just sign up for Jungle Scout or Helium 10 like the rest of us? Amazon is well known to scrape the web for price discovery reasons with isn't this non-privileged information? Smart sellers also believe that even without using this internal marketplace data, Amazon still knows a lot about the competition that is not on Amazon. Notice that it talks about which offers can qualify for Prime and not how they're ranked. My cynical view is that this gives Amazon significant wiggle room in terms of actually implementing this policy, i.e. they are qualified, but without advertising, they may not actually appear. Furthermore, this gives Amazon a license to finally enforce and promote standards on its FBM or fulfilled by merchant providers, which may in other ways end up consolidating the market around Amazon. Look, many third-party logistics providers are just struggling to keep up with their own customers, and very few of them are in a position to challenge Amazon. I've long thought that instead of certifying the seller as part of its fulfilled by merchant criteria, Amazon should certify the logistics provider instead. But what's to prevent Amazon from being ruthless with this criteria and exploiting its competitive advantage in the market, built up with billions of dollars in investment and excellence? Safe to say, if any European 3PLs benefit from this decision, it will be very few of them, and only after Amazon sorts out implementing its rankings and other factors, which could take some time. Lastly, the EU has acted on all sorts of things the U.S. is not close at all to acting on. If the U.S. won't act on a 92% Google search monopoly, what's the hope that they will act on Amazon? Very little. It's that time, friends, for our Investor Minute. We have eight items on the menu today. Eight items? Yes, Watsonians, we have been falling behind, actually, with investor and acquisition news and need to catch up with the pace of fundraising. First, data startup Matillion gets investment from Databricks and Snowflake. Enterprise data integration vendor Matillion takes money from two rivals and does two things, collecting data from various sources and transforming it into a format that can be used by data infrastructure like Snowflake and Amazon. Second, ContentStack raises an $80 million Series C for its enterprise headless content management system. It seems like the headless content management system space is exploding out there with fundraising in two years, with players like Contentful being one of the leaders in the market, but literally a dozen others keep getting funded. Third, Zenlytic raises $5.4 million to build better business intelligence for e-commerce brands. Unlike other tools, Zenlytic is focused on usability by the entire team. It's also building a semantic layer, which is able to automatically answer questions about your data. The company is competing with in a crowded space with companies like Triple Whale and Northbeam. Fourth, Commerce Hub completes acquisition of ChannelVisor. This was announced earlier this year, but it seems like the acquisition has finally closed. The company is looking to add a set of marketplace services for the brand partners in its portfolio. And with this acquisition, Commerce Hub is looking to be much more of a one-stop shop for retailers and brands. Fifth. Adabotics raises $71 million to grow its vertical robotic warehouse solution. While there are a lot of warehouse solutions, many of them are actually focused on automating an existing warehouse with robots that roam the floor. Adabotics is similar to other firms like Alert Innovation, which aims to store items up instead of out, which also similar to Alert, their solution works with both regular and refrigerated zones. Six. German price and promotions platform Binomics raises 13 million euros in Series A funding. The company has an idea that most companies make pricing decisions by the seat of their pants. 
Binomics aims to become a system of record for helping enterprise customers making commercial decisions on its pricing and promotions. I imagine if this becomes popular, such a solution would sit a level above the digital shelf analytics providers. Seventh, sustainable packaging marketplace impact raises $2.5 million. While packaging tends to be an important procurement sourcing decision for a CPG manufacturer, Impact, I-M-P-A-C-K-E-D, hopes to help brands of any size make it easier to choose sustainable suppliers for its primary packaging. And finally, software provider Payload raises $4.7 million for its developer-first headless CMS. What did I tell you? The headless CMS space is going bananas. Some vendors are focused more on the needs of business users, and others like Payload are focused primarily on the needs of developers. That's all for this week. Till next time, Watsonians. Hi, I'm Rick Watson, CEO and founder of RMW Commerce Consulting and host of the Watson Weekly Podcast, your essential e-commerce digest. Want to discuss the topics on the show? Head on over to community.rmwcommerce.com to connect with other listeners. Our production partner for the series is Citizen Racecar. The show is produced by Alex Brower. Production manager, Gabriela Montague. To hear new episodes of the show every Monday morning, subscribe now at rmwcommerce.com slash Watson Weekly and wherever you get your podcasts.